Hi there, this is Thomas Mayfield on the Raymtown Riot alongside Bobby Lloyd and Matt Raymer. That was, uh, thank you Bobby for that introduction. Bobby here is our digital media and, uh, and in charge of recording everything. We, we just want to thank him for his precious finger pushing. There you go, Bob. Yeah. Don't forget about my social media management, all the work I've been doing on our Twitter. Follow us, Raymtown Riot. Right, so our Twitter, we're killing it lately on Twitter. 79 followers. Podomatic, uh, where you can find our, our podcasts. We were top 400 in sports, listens, top uh, 7,000 overall on podcasts. So we're going to start sharing more stuff on Twitter so you can go ahead and find us uh, a little easier. So today we are going with full new slate of sports topics. We are going to open up with Steph Curry, uh, most important ankles knee in uh, of any player in basketball right now. And he today it was confirmed through MRI that he uh, sprained his MCL out to for two weeks uh, at at the least. Man, when I saw that on on ESPN yesterday, I was heartbroken. I just it was like someone took a knife and stabbed me in the back. I just I just I've been having so much fun. This guy seems like he's the hardest worker in sports. Like it takes so much time to perfect your game in the way that he has, and uh, just how much fun he's having, how much he deserves to to be playing right now and take this and take this team uh, as far as they can go. It's just a disaster for sports right? that that he can't be playing in the NBA playoffs right now. Yeah, it's very sad. I mean, it was kind of a freak play. If you guys didn't see it, it was uh, Mont Yunus, the big seven-footer on the Rockets, slipped and fell. And so he made the floor really slick with a sweat. And Curry went to plant literally like three seconds later. And it was oh, pretty gosh. awkward fall. Like his legs went different directions. And it was really scary. You thought it would be a lot worse at that point. Luckily... You can look at some good news as it's only two weeks as of right now. Pretty much what the Warriors are stating is that after two weeks, Curry will be reevaluated and it'll go from there. Um, right, he has a sprained MCL. However, it's only grade one. Uh, to pretty much perspective, I had my senior year of football, I had a grade two MCL sprain and I was out a little over two weeks. A little over two weeks. A little over two weeks. Um, but mine was grade two. But also, football's a little different. I was able to wear a big knee brace, right? Basketball, you, you don't wear a big knee brace. Why not? Because your lateral movement is affected oh, okay. much more. And basketball, that's all you have. So hold on with the grades. So grade one, grade two, uh, to those of us that don't work in that type of field or aren't familiar with it, it's, we, I have no idea which one is more severe. Two. Oh, great. It, yeah, increases with the, as the numbers increase. Your grade one's yeah. the least significant injury you could have. Grade two and grade okay. three. Okay. Grade three is... Serious at that point. Yeah. You're looking at months. Months at that point. Because it's what it pretty much is is that ligament completely is stretched and so it's kind of wobbly in there. That's why your your knee feels loose. Mm-hmm. It's scary as hell because your knee feels really loose. I'll never forget I was against Texas Tech when I did it, and I would make a turn of just going to the locker room and I felt like my knee was gonna give out. And so it's just the stretching of the ligament. And so level one is it's barely stretched, level two a little more stretched, level three it's like extremely stretched. Okay. So you have to wait till it gets back to normal fast. So when I first heard about this injury, I was thinking worse than they're reporting. I was thinking two weeks was being generous and maybe Steve Kerr 
trying to play a little bit of strategy, like uh, not let these teams know if he's coming back or when he's coming back. I mean, the whole NBA has their eyes right now on this. They're they've been the favorites to get the title, and uh, if Curry falls out, it kind of feels like um, quite a few teams might have more of an opportunity to win after that. Right. I I feel like this was what everyone was thinking was the only way the the Golden State state's championship hopes would be halted was an injury to this particular player i'm yeah injuries yeah. in general can completely tear a team apart um and luckily for the warriors they're playing the rockets here in the first round they have a 3-1 series lead and if they can close out this series in five games win the next game and have a blessing and have Portland Trailblazers extend the series with the Los Angeles Clippers as long as possible to give time for Curry to heal. So how it works is if the series on the Clippers and the Portland Trailblazers, the 4-5 matchup, is 2-1 right now, and the Clippers have the advantage. Mm -hmm. However, if the Clippers win that series in five games, so they win the next two games, the Warriors will play the Clippers on Sunday. So that would mean... That's supposing that the Warriors win their game. Correct. Game five also. Correct. That means the Warriors win five or six. Because... Okay. okay. They win five or six. And... Because the Warriors are a game a day ahead of them. But it would be on Sunday. However, every game that Portland wins just gives that much more crucial time for Curry to heal. And so the longer that series is extended, the much big benefit <clears throat> goes to the Warriors. So... Every Warriors fan, the entire bandwagon of them, is now rooting for the Portland Trail Blazers. Oh, like right, crazy. Right. Yeah. They play yeah. tonight, and I'm praying the, Bla- the Trail Blazers win. Yeah. Which is not incredible. Obscene. You have those two no. star uh, players in the backcourt. You, they could go off. That's not crazy to think. I like the Blazers a lot. I think they saw a solid coaching job by Terry Stotts. Um, it's fun watching them play. They're a fun team. A lot of young guys, a lot of energy. I mean, it's tough. They're playing against one of the most veteran teams in the NBA with uh, a lot of the smartest players in the NBA on that team also. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough for them to try to beat the Clippers. But I think I think they could steal another game or two. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. It's possible. And if you're the Clippers, what an opportunity. This is I feel like they feel a little dead for a little while this season with Blake Griffin missing 45 games and Chris Paul kept him afloat. They got the four seed and Griffin's back now and he looks great. And if you ever want a little shot in the arm, this might be it, right? Curry is injured. It's a window of opportunity for the Clippers to really take advantage of this. And if they can win in five games and maybe get the first two games without Curry, possibly three, I mean, that's... There's a big motivation for them to come... In the game five in Los Angeles and win that game more more so than they even already wanted to win the playoffs. Now it's like if we can strike the iron while it's hot here, we might be able to steal. We might be able to play three of our games against the Warriors without their best player. Correct, and we'll have to win game four first. Right, the Clippers start right. to win okay. game four tonight. Okay, um, they, they owe Montejunas a huge thank you. Yes, the the Clippers owe Montejunas thank you for slipping and falling and be a big sweaty. Seven footer that will just slide and cover up ten on square purpose. feet of. Court. So Marty Junis falls on the ground. It's a lot different than when I fall on the ground. I guess like he's like seven foot seven yeah. one. He's a huge. Yeah, dude. he's covering up. He's covering up from the three point line to the half court line with just a big puddle. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it's it's really sad news for the sports world, but 
to look. I'm a big Warriors fan, as you guys know, and I'm looking at this positive. It's only two weeks. The Warriors can beat the dysfunctional Houston Rockets still. Um, one thing, one more quick note on this is Curry at halftime was very emotional. I guess Draymond Green came out and said this. Curry, Curry was extremely emotional because he's sad, right? He's going to be the two-time defending MVP. They have a chance to make seal their presence in history, NBA history forever with this season. And Curry is the vocal point, the focal point of that team. And so he's really upset at halftime, like crying really uh, intensely. And I guess Draymond Green and the team rallied behind him. If you watch that third quarter, they absolutely destroyed the Houston Rockets without Curry. So hopefully it wasn't just an emotional lift and they can come out, seal the game, game five um, at home and beat Houston Rockets and get some rest going forward. So now speaking hypothetically, changing gears just a bit, me being a fan that, that really hates the Warriors, what's, um, now it really opens up the window more so than ever for Cleveland now. They probably... I mean, say say somehow the Warriors this spring is just terrible for Curry. He can't come back. Warriors are eliminated. Speaking hypothetically, Cleveland comes in and wins the championship. So so LeBron gets his third. Will this always be looked at as a oh LeBron won it, but? But it was because of this injury. Or, oh, definitely. Or, yeah, so people are going to take this away from LeBron forever, from his legacy forever, this championship. One thing I'd say, humongous stretch to say that Cleveland would be the favorite. I, well, I'm saying I, I didn't say they were the favorite. I said speaking hypothetically because okay. because clearly San Antonio would still be the favorite. Yeah, yeah. So Assuming San Antonio gets there. I mean, they still have to go through the Thunder and a... I mean, the West is a gauntlet next round. Starting next round, the West is a gauntlet. Well, I, I'm saying never. Okay, never back to I would say, I would say yeah, we have a tendency to not want to give LeBron credit when he when he uh, does well. Um, There's tons of LeBron haters out there. And however, included. if the Cleveland still wins this title, even with Golden State, there will be an asterisk, no doubt, because you're potentially the best team in NBA history having their MVP out. That's huge. However, LeBron would still beat the Spurs, who are a historically great team on their own. Yeah, yeah. And pursuing the Spurs. We're all making assumptions here. Right. And I think it would be an asterisk for the time being, but as time passes, it wouldn't be remembered. As it would way. still just be remembered. He has three rings. And he brought Cleveland a championship. Cle- yeah, that would be huge for them. So LeBron would them. 100% submit himself, cement himself as one of the best players of all time, which he's already approaching that. So... He is approaching that pedigree. I do think that, at least in the immediate sense, um, we're not going to want to give him credit for uh, for being the best team in the league. We'll always say, "Well, you know, it was just unfortunate for the Warriors. They were the best team. They would have they would have won. They would have blown out the Cavs. Something like that." But it's like I said, we have a tendency to try to steal things away from LeBron. Uh, we don't want to give him credit when he's when he's playing great, when he's uh, doing remarkable things out there. We try to make excuses for why it's not earned, why it's too easier for him, why he's not working as hard, whatever it is. And then, uh, and then it's kind of interesting. On that same note, when uh, when it seems like he's not on top of the pile anymore, it doesn't feel right, doesn't it? Right, like when, like when it seems like guys like Westbrook and Kawhi Leonard and Curry are all getting claims as maybe being the best player in the league, and then uh, it it still doesn't feel right, even for me as a dedicated LeBron hater. I've been 
He's fun to hate for a lot of people. He is fun to hate, but it also kind of uh, kind of not not right feeling when he's not getting the credit that I feel he deserves because he is one of the best players to ever play the game. It's an interesting dynamic there for me as a fan. So as a LeBron, another LeBron topic, real quick. Do you think he is feeling some source of regret for leaving uh, Cleveland? I mean, leaving Miami, I'm sorry. No. No. I think he's frustrated because the team at hand is not what it was supposed to be on paper, and they're not in sync all the time. But he knows – LeBron's a smart businessman. He knows if he brings a championship to Cleveland, his legacy will be cemented forever. If he kept winning in Miami, he'd be great. No doubt about it. And he would still be, would still be talking on the same pedestal as Bronco now. I don't think he had that much of a chance to enhance his legacy as much as he does as his chance to enhance his legacy in Cleveland. I, I'm going to take a big disagree here. I think he's big time regretting leaving Miami. I think one of the reasons things don't work out in Cleveland consistently as they, they do in Miami, I think Pat Riley's got a big thing to do with it. Pat Riley's unanimously respected in the NBA community. Um... And I don't think LeBron has had that sort of respect for anyone in Cleveland, especially since since he's been older. Maybe when he was a younger guy, 19, 20 years old, he kind of saw these these uh, head of basketball operations and stuff as people to look up to. But now I think he just sees them as being inferior to Pat Riley and not really not really worth his respect. I, th- I think going back to Cleveland and seeing things, I mean. They're doing things well. They have a great team, 54 games in the regular season, uh, favorite to come out of the East. Just won, swept the first round. Just swept the first round against Detroit, unfortunately. But I just think I just think coming into that situation, like imagine, imagine you're in a work situation where you feel like everything is done extremely professionally and well and things are handled and all you have to do is come in there and do your job well. And that, and the rest of it will be taken care of. Whereas I feel like it's probably a lot of pressure for him being in Cleveland, saying he's coming in and seeing, oh man, the general manager should be doing this differently. They should be hiring this coach instead of this coach. They should be doing all, all kinds of behind the scene things that are going on in Cleveland because it's just not as good of an organization, not as well run from the top to the bottom. And I think I already yeah. I already shared my prediction that I don't think LeBron will be in Cleveland for the rest of his career possibly even leaving after this offseason, and I'm kind of standing by that belief. I mean, yeah, he had a luxury in Miami. That's one of the classiest, best-run organizations, maybe along with San Antonio in in the NBA. They're just one of the only yeah. teams that has, a, that has a legitimate culture that's been established and has been there for a little while. Right. Um, I mean, every every other team in the NBA outside of Miami and San Antonio is in the stage of like trying to build their culture and build their legacy and build their ideals. Um, I think a lot of them are well on their way, but there's only there's only two teams that really have it right now, and you're starting to see with the teams that don't like how mu- how much it affects them and how hard it is for them to succeed. All right, well I have to quick rebuttal that. I mean, what you're saying is totally different. I think, well, not totally different, but I think there is. Um, discrepancies of what you're saying is he. I think he misses the way Miami was showing. He was misses Pat Riley and the structure and the classy organization, and really Dwayne Wade. Really, yeah, misses playing with his best friend. However, does he regret that decision? I disagree. I think the chance to cement his legacy, his legacy means so much to LeBron that I think he understands the Cleveland aspect of it, 
And you can miss it, but not regret it. That's two different things. That's a good point. Fair, that, that, that is a fair point. I mean, at the end of the day, it's LeBron is just such an interesting and dynamic character. You know, we, uh, we're, we're a lot of people in the media, we're all just trying to figure out what he's thinking because he speaks in codes, he sends out cryptic tweets and cryptic messages, and he seems like he doesn't really – he likes to keep us on our toes, you know. He, li- he doesn't like to be well-read. So, uh, so yeah, you might, you might be totally right. Sometimes he might be sending a message – to uh, to his fans, sometimes to his haters, and sometimes to his own teammates, and we're left to guess what's going on with him. But interesting guy, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, really it's tell. Kyle honestly is kind of a little annoying to talk about LeBron so much, but when you go to six straight NBA Finals and you have the accolades you do, he does, then it all makes sense. But we're gonna take a little break here, read our first advertisement we got here, and uh, get back to some more stock. All right, I want to take this opportunity to promote Arts uh, Barbecue, A&J Barbecue, uh, best barbecue food truck in Albuquerque. Honestly, the, uh, by far one of my favorite places to eat in town, homemade barbecue cooking. The other day I stopped by his place and he gave me some uh, some the best catfish I ever had in my life, fresh caught earlier that week by Art himself. Um, Is that right? true? Yeah, that is true. Yeah, he caught it uh, in Lake uh, Lake Cochiti, I believe. And, wow. Uh, you don't find that in New Mexico. That is no, very no. Unique. And not only that, man, this was like spicy barbecue catfish. So delicious. I, I couldn't even believe it. Um, if, you're a hung- if you're a hungry guy, it's like $10 for a big barbecue combo. If not, it's a few dollars less for like barbecue sandwich. Best pulled pork brisket I've had. Uh, he made me some pork chops, just incredible. If your girlfriend's ever upset, Raymer's ran into this situation, tell him about tell him about the ribs you got for your girlfriend when you needed to make her happy. Yeah, my girlfriend was super pissed at me. And uh, what did you do? You solve all the food. That's there you what, go. That's what I do. I know if I'm upset, my girlfriend gets me food. You know, I can't be better. mad at anybody who gets me food, man. If you get if you get me food, I love you. If you get me arts barbecue, I love you anymore. Uh, Wednesdays he's at Tallinn Supermarket. Thursday nights at the Launchpad. Fridays Tractor Brewery. Uh, Saturdays out on Central and Unser during the day, and then the Launchpad again at night. Uh, you feel like calling calling him? It's five zero five five one five six three one seven around Albuquerque. I can't give him enough voucher. Best food in town. Uh, tell him Bobby sent you. Thanks, Smoke Master Fresh. All right, welcome back to the Ramtown Riot Podcast. Right now, we're going to talk about a little UFC, some MMA. And it was a big weekend for the UFC. John Jones, a beast. He represents Albuquerque. fights out of here at Jackson's Gym. He fought Saturday, and he won soundly over uh, St. Prouille, who is another big dude who fights, free, knocks out people. I can't pronounce his name very well, so Bobby and Thomas are both laughing at me. <laughs> we, we told him four times during the break how to say Prue. Whatever. Oh, Vincent Prue. First of all, I'm distracted because Thomas whips out a freaking DQ blizzard right now in front of us. A little selfish. He's not sharing any bites. He's, he's not that type of guy. Yeah, he's, he's always not, been selfish when it comes to food. <laughs> um, anyway, John Jones, he was a freaking – he won soundly. went five rounds, though. John Jones did not knock him out. Um, so it was a good fight getting him back in the rhythm. We'll see who he goes against next. But that was not the big headlines coming out this weekend – uh, was John Jones' fight. What really comes down is Conor McGregor and UFC 200. UFC 200 is scheduled in July and it's supposed to be 
one of the biggest cards, biggest events in UFC history. And Conor McGregor, the featherweight champ, or ultraweight champion, uh, lost to Diaz, and he is supposed to fight. However, he refused to fly into the United States and cooperate with all of the media and going to New York and L.A., doing all these interviews and pictures and really just talking crap, which he's great at. But since he lost, I think he has a new game focus, and he wants to stay where he's training in Iceland <laughs> and focus on fighting, which I completely understand his point of view, but I also understand the UFC. It's a business, right? And Bobby, let's curiously, let's get your thoughts well, on so this. So Conor McGregor kind of took over the sporting news this week because we've never had an athlete at this level in his career at least not 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 in my life. The only thing I can think of is like maybe when Mike Tyson had to go to jail right while while he was the heavyweight champ, you know. But we've never had an athlete right at the top of his game retire willingly, you know. And he, he, he just Sanders. He, he put out yeah he put out some sort of uh, wait, wait, wait. Mike Vick and Barry Sand dude. Conor McGregor is the, Conor McGregor might be the biggest star in sports right now. He's huge. Anyway, Le- keep going. Your points. Legit- keep going. Legitimately. So, no one no one knows what's going on. He sends out this tweet last Tuesday, and it says uh, something. Thanks for the I've, cheese. I've decided to retire early. Thanks for the cheese. See, see you later, you know? Which, okay, so none of us know what the hell to think for a couple of days. We're like, is, is Conor McGregor retired? Why the hell would he retire? Is, it, is, is he afraid of uh, hurting himself? He, worked, he plays in the violent sport he's really just happy with the money that he has that doesn't seem like that type of guy one of his uh teammates was it died or no this is what happened one of his there was a uh, there was a professional fight in europe not in the ufc but a man that uh mcgregor trains with another irishman killed a portuguese fighter inside the ring knocked knocked him out and uh there hasn't been an autopsy report on on exactly how it happened but the guy died and uh, hit McGregor pretty deep. So that was one theory. Another theory was uh, was he was feuding with Dana White about about uh, money. He just wanted more money. And it t- turns out after everything, we we get more and more info. These guys going back and forth. We get Conor McGregor saying uh, that it's about promotions. Dana White saying. Hey, you know, you you've got to do all these promotions, otherwise, otherwise we like we're we're putting up ten million dollars to promote this fight. You've got to be here. You're the main guy on the fight. You're the big star. You've got to do this. Connor saying, "Look, man, I'm I'm gonna be the main fighter regardless. Like I'm I'm the biggest star in the sport. Uh, I I'm coming off of a loss. This is the most important fight of my career right now, and I don't have time to do all the promotions this time. I've promoted my ass off for two years." That's always made all his let money. Me go, let me go train. That's what he, he – that's – I mean – The reason why Conor McGregor is who he is is because he is an arrogant prick who people think are funny, which he really is funny in a lot of things he does. But he's a great fighter, but he's an arrogant prick that boasts about himself so much. Maybe the best trash talker I've ever heard. Yeah, that's why – but I don't have any problems with him because he's made himself millions of dollars off of this. If he was a humble, quiet person, he would not be anywhere close to where he is now. So the best – Pound-for-pound fighters, the two best pound-for-pound fighters in the world fought on Saturday night. Neither one of them are Conor McGregor, right? Uh, Demetrius Johnson far and out dominates the 125 division. He's complete. 
he he just beat a an Olympic gold medalist uh, wrestler who was unbeaten at ten and zero. Uh, that was the only real challenger he had left. Like he has wiped out an entire division. He might go up and uh, fight in Connor's division next, just because out of out of boredom. Um, if Connor wins, that would be exciting. Yeah, yeah. Because Connor's going up two weight classes. You know what? I'm I'm sorry. I'm wrong <clears throat> about that. Demetrius Johnson would not ha- would not fight in Connor's division. He would fight at one, the, 135. His previous division. Yeah, the, the one that Connor currently has the title belt in. Correct. Yes, correct. Well, so so Connor has a belt at 145. 145. And he's okay. currently fighting. Uh, he's going to fight Nate Diaz at 155, and then drop back down to 145 to fight the winner of the Dos Anjos Frankie Edgar fight, which is on the 200 card. What my my point my point with the with the two best pound for pound fighters in the world being on this last ticket. No one cared. We were talking about Conor McGregor the whole time. Right. Conor like. The two best fighters in the world. John Jones is the second biggest star in the sport, maybe outside of uh, Rousey, Rousey, and and Holm. But John Jones is one of the biggest stars in the sport, and uh, McGregor's dominating the, the topic on MMA right now. He's just that much bigger of a star than everyone else. Uh, people, people love. I think I think they love the funny Irishman. I, they, they love the way he talks. I mean, yeah, he's a marketing genius. The reason he, why he he's is is a, a marketing genius, and he backed it up for. Really, all Matelli lost against Diaz, which he got caught in a rear naked choke. That happens. To to say he's a marketing genius is is one thing. I mean, this is what I've heard every Irishman say about him. They say he talks a lot of shit, but he backs it up. <laughs> he backs it up, and that's that's what he does do. He is he is an incredible fighter. The fight that he lost was fighting a guy who's three inches taller than him, walks around twenty pounds heavier than him, and, uh, and he they, went up the weight class in and, two weeks. He so he was already jumping from 145 to 155. Two weeks he decides to jump from 155 to 170. Ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. Anybody that's been in a fighting community at all, you jump up that much weight. That is a ginormous, ginormous upgrade. It was a, it was an error in confidence. Uh, I don't think it was an error because he was he was in that fight the entire time. He was already winning, and then he got caught through a naked choke. That happens in fighting. Like a whole, what whole, whole, whole fight what actually night. happened is he was winning the fight, but he could not go the he distance at that weight. He could he wasn't able to. Uh, he didn't randomly get caught in a rear naked choke. He was gassed. He was out. He couldn't keep swinging. There's still two minutes left in the round. Well, my point well, of getting caught is he was tired, but getting caught in a rear naked choke most of the time it just happens, right? Like you, you I could pound on you, then you end up getting the back. He works at at you to get it. Yeah. However, my point was he wasn't overmatched in the fight in any form. No. I mean, I, was, I honestly, depending, this time they're going to be fighting at 155. It's a different weight. Um, I mean, obviously, they're, they're not going to weigh 155 exactly when they fight, but Nate Diaz will have to at least get down there the day before the fight to weigh that much. And uh, I'm not sure he can't, he can't take him this time around. I mean, I'm not picking, I'm not necessarily picking him to win. But I think he's got a good chance at winning. We'll have our picks when it gets closer to the fight. But however, one big thing on this is McGregor announced that he's going to be fighting UFC 200. He announced on Twitter, mm-hmm. and the UFC has disputed this. They said oh, no. Really? Yeah, they said, oh no, this isn't a for sure thing yet. Oh, because like, this is a this is a great though. This is the UFC has to control power. They can't have one fighter overtake their sport. That's what it is right now. It's a power struggle. You have such a their biggest superstar in the sport right now trying to tell the UFC what to do. 
But that can't happen. If you're running a big business and you want to be super serious, you can never have that. No. So I like what the UFC is doing and say, no, you have to go to this. We're the reason you are now. We give you the money to make to have these fights, and you got to respect the terms of policy. It's just like how Peyton Manning has to go and do these things. Well, McGregor doesn't have anywhere else to go. Like, this is... Well, the UFC is the yeah. biggest yeah. This is it. fighting in the world right now. It's way, way, way overtaken boxing. And the, I like what the UFC has to do. They have to establish their, their authority in this. I mean, there are Russian and Japanese fighting leagues that are big, but it's not... It's they're Some of the best fighters ever have never come to the UFC so far and have made millions of dollars fighting in these other leagues. But the UFC is still the main platform at, currently... There's not really any place he can go. You know, it's like say uh, LeBron tries to take over the NBA. He could go play in Europe and make a ton of money doing that, but he's not. It's not. He's not going to be competing on the biggest platform that he is that there is. And so the UFC's right. Yeah, they can't. They can't let Conor McGregor. He's not a partner in their process. He's an employee for them. He's an employee. Yes, yeah. you establish. And so your he's got to do. If I'm if I'm the UFC. He's got to do what I what I tell him to do that if, for for the money that he makes. I mean he he'll he'll put out McGregor will put out uh, statements like I made this business four hundred million dollars. That's not the type of uh, mindset that you want your employees to have. Like uh, they, he because he's not he's not the one putting investments out there. He's not the one putting uh, advertising putting his own money on the line. You know he, all, all he's doing. Training, getting paid to fight. That's yeah, it. Even if McGregor, just pull a Marshawn Lynch. Go to the interview, don't say shit, and just go on your business, and it'll be fine. You still fulfill the commitments. Do the, do the Marshawn Lynch stuff, and it's still fine because people are still going to watch this fight because of Conor McGregor. Well, McGregor's argument was that he didn't want to take away time from training, correct? Correct. He doesn't want to yeah. leave Iceland, which makes sense. It is the most important fight of his career to this point. And he has a legit um, grievance. grievance with this. It all makes sense. However, the UFC has the authority. There's a lot of things at work that I do that I don't want to freaking do, right? I don't want to go to this meeting today, but I don't have a choice, right? You know, it, 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 it's a tough thing, man. You, you, your work, my work, compared to what he has to do. He had, Conor McGregor goes out there. He had the confidence to believe that he could beat any man up to 170 pounds. Um, and we're talking about a guy that legitimately believes... He's got his entire ego on the line every time he goes out there and fight. I don't have I don't have that when I go to work. You know, if if I have a bad day at work, nothing bothers me. When he ha- when he has a bad day at work, it's a meme that millions of people see around the world. He get, he gets hated on for a million times, and and he's got to sit back there and deal with like pretty much. If I didn't tap out, this guy could have killed me. You know, like no, that, he has that, to deal like, with way more. Yeah, but put it in perspective, and, Bobby. What was the what was the Twitter fact you had for the when he announced his the the his tweet that he went out talking about his retirement was the most retweeted um, tweet yeah most retweeted tweet by an athlete ever 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 that shows his popularity right it broke the Kobe Bryant had the record with his retirement tweet wow and, <laughs> and it just got broke by Conor McGregor's tweet that's insane to think about yeah. you're talking Kobe Bryant who is such a Sports icon worldwide, not just the United States, worldwide. Biggest moment of his career that was 20 years long. Yeah, retiring. You have Conor McGregor saying this. Breaks granted, social media is different now, but either way, it's at, incredible. At the current state, it's hard to argue 
I mean, Conor McGregor's got a legitimate claim. He might be the biggest star in sports, at least the one that we're the most intrigued with at this moment. Like, he's got the sports world by the balls. We all want to see this fight. I'm hoping it happens. Uh, Nate Diaz wants to fight. Conor McGregor wants to fight. The UFC is the only thing standing in the way right now. I feel like sometimes it's sometimes it's good business. Like, sometimes you have to think about your business. Sometimes you got to make that money. It's going to be a way bigger draw for them if Conor McGregor's on that card. All right, real quick question. Thomas, does he fight in UFC 200? Yes. Bobby? Yes. I agree. Conor McGregor. It's all about money. UFC's going to want the money. They're going to show their authority, their dominance for this time period like they're doing now. But ultimately, he's going to fight. UFC 200. Do they they want to... They're thinking about their company... They've got to find a way to send a message to McGregor, but you've got to have, they have each UFC 200 be the biggest. This has got to be the biggest event in UFC history. That's what they want right now. They want UFC 200 to be the biggest event in UFC history. They have their it's biggest not going to be there without Conor McGregor. Biggest star in UFC history, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, he yeah, is. Def- okay, so yeah, they, he's up there with Ral- he, Rousey at the time, and he needs to be in there for the UFC. They they need. Him I mean, Chuck, Chuck Liddell. They, they, Chuck there were big time stars Lesser. in the past, but as the UFC increases, as social media increases, there's just never been anyone that's this. And type he's of international. Draw. He's bringing people in from another country. Yeah, totally. No, he's great. So, last thing, quick way to segue. I want to give a shout out to Holly Holm. As you guys know, we're based in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That is where Holly Holm's from. She actually went to the same high school as all three of us, and uh, we're all big fans of her, and a good shout-out to her. She's going to get back on her feet. She, she definitely got caught in the fifth round. She was winning that fight. She would have won, yeah. yeah. And so I want to give her a big shout-out, and we all root for her. And we're going to take yep. a little break. And we'll Love you, Holly. We are back with the Raintown Riot. This is Thomas Mayfield, and the Flake Gate is back. To much of dismay of many people, I'm not really a uh, Deflategate hater. For some reason, I just find this topic kind of interesting. I just think it's so bizarre and so out there. And today, the big news was Tom Brady had his suspension reinstated. Four games for Tom Brady this season. Uh, He is going to be suspended for the first four games of the season. The, The NFL won the appeal and... Oh, what's that smell coming out of the kitchen right now? Oh, Bobby's walking up. He's walking out with a bowl of something. Oh, Bobby's Bobby's beef. (laughs) Screwy flake gate. I'm tired of this shit, man. I don't. I I listen to this. I listen to people argue about deflate gate and argue about deflated footballs and Tom Brady for months. Like it's got literally nothing to do with anything in football. I feel like. Tom Brady would have won that Super Bowl regardless. He's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Um, even if he was, even if he was cheating, I really don't care. It's just, it's just footballs. I've heard other quarterbacks say that they could, that they can deflate footballs if they want, inflate footballs if they want. To, like, I just don't understand why this is such an interesting dynamic to people. I hope we don't have to hear about it all summer again until football season starts. I'm sure we will. He's the biggest. He's the biggest star in football. Him sitting out for a game seems like a travesty to me. Like, who cares about Deflategate? And if you were gonna do it, like, why does this go to a Supreme Court thing? What What does this have to do with anything? Either like, apparently, it hasn't reached the Supreme Court. Tom Brady could appeal to the Supreme Court 
apparently, and maybe get it take the suspension taken away again. But we'll be hearing about that all summer. The reason why is because a nine billion dollar industry. You have a nine billion dollar industry that's going to go to these giant things, and it's the biggest star in the sport. I agree. This sucks. It is so stupid. The Deflate Gate. The balls didn't make a difference. Like they freaking won that playoff game against they the Colts. killed them. They rushed for 320-something yards. Are you freaking joking? You think the, the running the ball has an effect on how uh, aired up the football is? Absolutely ridiculous. I agree. They're, it's going into past games and all these things. But maybe this happened for a long stretch of we're time. We're dealing with idiots here, man. Like, I've, I've been at the bar before, and I have to listen to these old guys talk about stuff. And one of them literally told me, he thinks, he's like, I could probably throw the ball 55 yards if you, del- if you deflated that ball. And we're not talking about... An athletic-looking old guy. We're talking about like kind of a little overweight, 170-pound, five foot nine, just nothing. No way this guy can throw a ball 40 yards, and he thinks he thinks if you deflate the ball, well, I mean, like, that's exactly I mean, what our podcast needs: picking on old people. <laughs> Thanks, Bobby. Anyway, I mean, if you were to put me in the game, I'll, if the coach were to put me in the game, I don't want state. I can throw football yeah, that mountain yeah. over there. I mean, I'm just saying, anyone with any logic knows that Tom Brady would have won that football game regardless of whether or not the football is how he likes it or not, because he's the, one of the greatest football players of all time. Anyone with any logic also knows he probably <laughs> he asked him to deflate the footballs, but I just don't know why he's suspended. There's no is there any proof that that he did this? That's just why I don't understand. There's not a hundred percent proof. Um, it's more of how they acted after the fact, is what they're saying, and how we destroyed the cell phone, all this crap. Um, and really, you know what it is? It's the Patriots. The Patriots have been in the past. They've been caught cheating multiple times. I think it's the other owners pressuring pressuring Goodell probably to lay the damn lay his foot down and. Uh, there's no other way to put it. The Goodell is a puppet who is controlled by the 32 billionaires who can who run all their teams, and that's what happens. And if he has 25 of them telling him, you better punish this, it happens. And it's frustrating. I'm sick of hearing Deflate Gate. But anyway, going to actually some news, Brady, the four games he will be suspended for is the Arizona Cardinals – at Arizona Cardinals, so a very hard game. Yeah. That's opening opener. Then home against the Dolphins, home against the Texans, and home against the Buffalo Bills. So at least a three-game stretch there at home with Jimmy Garoppolo as our starting well, As of right now. I'm pretty upset that, that that great game is taken away from us. That's a great matchup. In, in One of the best opening weeks. Yeah, in Arizona, Patriots versus... Cardinals, that's such a shame that that game was taken away. Chandler Jones yeah. playing back against the Patriots. So let me clarify on why I am so pissed off here. I am pro-Patriots, pro-Tom Brady. But even more than that, I am anti-Deflategate media talk. I just hate the whole thing. I hate that we have to cover this. I hate that this is going on. It's so played out, so boring. Nonsensical shit. We're worried about like Tom Brady's phone breaking. We're reading text messages between lowers and the freaking New England Patriots administration. Got ball boys. We're this is ridiculous. Like can we the perfect I, the perfect thing to display how overplayed and over media attention this thing got. The Boston University or a university in Boston. I could be wrong if it's Boston University. Set up an entire class that semester on 
the pressure of the balls, and if it's possible for them to be flattened by the cold from the density of the air, all these things, all these dynamics, a whole semester class on this. It's freaking crazy. This makes me sick. I'm as big of a sport nut as anyone I know. And when the top sport story in the sporting world is whether or not a ball was flated to the correct PSI within a couple ounces of pressure, it makes me feel like an idiot. I feel like, what the hell am I watching? What am I paying attention to? What's going on? Why don't I care about something more important? And so I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. I, uh, for now on... I'm, I'm sure we're going to have to talk about Deflate Gate on this podcast. I'm going to walk out of the room and cover my ears and listen to something else. Well, that was Bobby's beef today. Before he has an aneurysm, we are going to switch topics. All right, let's transition now to Sam Bradford, the newly, or not the new quarterback, but the new con- has a con- contract for Sam Bradford, $18 million a year for the Philadelphia Eagles is now demanding a trade. This it comes after the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles have traded up to the second overall pick in the NFL draft, presumably to draft a quarterback, most likely Carson Wentz, and therefore it makes Bradford the quarterback for one year, right? The learning quarterback, the stepping stool for their franchise in a lot of ways. And Sam Bradford is not happy with this, even though he just signed a $18 million year contract. Is that what he got? He got a one-year contract? Two years. Two years. $20 million guaranteed. He has two more years, correct? He, he signed, just signed he a brand-new two-year two contract. contract. Okay. $18 million a year. $20 million guaranteed. So I got uh, problems with this. It seems like Bradford is being a jerk. Like, I'm not sure who he thinks he is. He hasn't shown himself to be, like, a quarterback that that uh, that these franchises should be, like, unequivocally devoted to and uh, and just like some somebody that, that you put all your stakes in, you know, like if, why not take the two years that the Eagle, it seems like their intentions are to groom Carson Wentz under Sam Bradford. Why can't Sam Bradford take those two years with the Eagles? Um, those two years at least guaranteed, at least one year guaranteed depending how it goes. How you, if if he went makes the playoffs this year? How are they not going to let him in next year? You know, like, like well, if you take, if you take quarterback, if you take quarterback second overall, Sam Bradford will have to play great next year to retain his job. He should have to play great. Is yeah. Like, what, what are his expectations on himself? Why is he so mad? And wh- who does he think is going to give him another shot? Like, no, I can. Compl- I think Sam Bradford's in the wrong here. If you're a team player, you go earn your job. And you go earn your money. He's getting just paid, paid handsomely. He's getting paid great. And he hasn't done crap in the NFLs yet. He's won Rookie of the Year. But that was two surgeries later. And after that, he's done nothing. I just don't see how he has qualms with the Eagles administration. To me, I, if, if it was me out there, I would like to think. I would say, you know what? I've got this chance. They've let me know that they want me to be their starting quarterback for this upcoming season. Um, and I'm getting paid $18 million to do it. And go do it. And if you do a good job, I mean, fight for your job. You know, if he does a good job this upcoming year, he'll he'll get another job the next year, regardless of whether it's with the Eagles or not. He's going to increase his stock no matter what if he plays well. And he, they came out saying he's going to be the starter. What the Eagles plan on doing is, if you didn't know, they signed Chase Daniels also, also this offseason as to be their backup quarterback. But they're playing Chase Daniels $7 million a year, which is an extremely high 
payment for a backup quarterback. And so they have $25 million a year already invested in quarterbacks, and now they're going to get a quarterback the second overall pick this year. And so what they want is to have Bradford at one, they want to have Chase Daniels or two, and Carson Wentz as a three, and they want Carson Wentz to sit out all year just to learn. And Carson, kind of like a Carson Palmer did for the Bengals, learning under John Kitna. And that is really interesting because Sam Bradford will be that stepping stone. However, he does not have the ability, I believe, to have the authority to demand a trade in these situations. Yeah, he sounds sounds like a crying baby to me. You know, it's, it's like, grow up, man. Go go do your job. I, I like what the Eagles are doing. I think it's smart for their franchise. I don't necessarily like the trade, but if you're going to go about this route, it, I think it makes a lot of sense to take the guy who's got the potential but give him time to learn under some guys that really know what they're doing. Uh, and I think Bradford is actually in a great position for his career. He just got a ton of money, and he's in a position to start on a team that's got potential for him to make a lot more money. In the future, yeah. So I think, what's coming I down think is, calling for a trade maybe the worst thing he could do for his for his own personal stock right now. He just seems like a jerk and ungrateful, and who knows if he'll end up in a situation that is more devoted to him than the Eagles are. What I'm curious about are what are the potential suitors for Bradford? Which I mean, teams? Is the quarterback needy team still at this point? I mean, as a 49ers fan, I'm a 49ers fan. He's been linked to the 49ers. He played for Chip Kelly last year, and Everybody knows the Kaepernick situation, how he's demanded a trade out of San Francisco. So that's a, a reasonable spot. Also, the Denver Broncos, they're going into the season with Mark Sanchez as their starting quarterback right now. So that's another thought. And then lastly, people try to link today because Sam Bradford news of trading and the Patriots came out mm. trying to link, say maybe they'll make a trade that way. However, that salary cap does not make any sense. So that's it wouldn't three, work. What about the, maybe the Houston Texans? Are they in the no mix way? At all? They just got Mallet. It's Mallet or not? Legend. Not Ryan Mallet. I'm totally wrong. I'm Brock Osweiler. Sorry, they did get Osweiler. Yeah. Sorry about that. I was thinking okay. of the other six six white quarterback. But anyway, they just got Osweiler and signed him to another eighteen million dollar contract, huge as well. And then also the Jets. The Jets have not signed Ryan Fitzpatrick yet. They. To have Geno Smith as a starting quarterback now, so the Jets are possible, but they're not willing to give Ryan Fitzpatrick sixteen million a year. Why the hell would they give Sam Bradford eighteen million? It a year? seems like Ryan Fitzpatrick is just consistently undervalued. Like I feel like this guy is a valuable starting quarterback, and he plays really well. And other guys just seem to have higher value than him for some reason. I have no idea why Fitz. Why Osweiler gets a comfortable contract and Fitzpatrick doesn't? Like, what what's going on? Fitzpatrick has had an interesting career. So Fitzpatrick is a Harvard grad. If you guys don't know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Harvard grad. He goes to the Bills. He comes out of nowhere. Also, he's great. He signs a huge deal with the Bills, and then for the next season and a half to two years, he was struggled, and a lot of that was someone's injury, and so they got rid of him. So he got that big contract, and then. He went to the Texans, kind of been a journeyman after that, and he's always done well where he is, but nothing great. Besides this last year with the Jets, threw for 31 touchdowns. He was a very good quarterback last year, really good. I had him on my fantasy team. And he has the leverage, in my opinion, this offseason. He deserves – if Sam Bradford's making 18 million a year. Why is he not a commodity? Why are the Broncos not going after uh, he's Fitzpatrick? Because he's an older guy as well, and they feel like Fitzpatrick and Sanchez aren't a biggest drop – 
Oh How do you think? God. They just they just won the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, who's an older guy who's not capable of playing at the same level that Fitzpatrick is right now. Do you think it's a huge drop off between Sanchez and Patrick? Huge. I'm, I mean, I'll, I think Fitz. I think Sanchez. I'm higher on him than most people. I don't. I don't just only think of him as butt fumble. I think of him as a respectable second string quarterback. Made back to back AFC Championship games. Yeah, I mean he's a he's he's a good player, but I I think Fitzpatrick is the type of player that the Bron- that could win a Super Bowl with the Broncos. He's he's smart. He manages games. Uh, he he's ca- he's capable in a lot of different ways. I'm I, I hate what you guys do here. It's just I I don't know what's going on. I'm on the opposite side of the table, and you guys have got your own little jokes, and I feel like I'm left out we're of the mix. We're making fun of you, Bobby. You just get so distracted. Continue with this segment. Fitzpatrick, to me, is valuable starting quarterback. He can uh, he can contribute to a lot of teams. I feel I'm surprised he hasn't gotten a contract. I feel like a lot of guys. He just seems undervalued. He he doesn't get the contract that he deserves. He doesn't get the respect he deserves. Some guys, I feel like there's just a bias against them, and I don't know why. The results kind of speak for themselves. I mean, obviously he's not Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, but is he? Are there? Uh, 15 quarterbacks in the league better than him? I don't know. I, yes. We'll, we'll have our quarterback rankings one day, and then we'll have some qualms about it, but I'm not sure there are. Does Fitzpatrick get the beard respect he deserves? He's got an incredible beard. Does he have the best beard in the NFL? Uh, what, Eric Weddle's got an incredible beard. Oh, man. There's probably some great beers in the NFL. I'm not just going to give it to Fitzpatrick because, uh, oh, wow, look at that thing. You know what? He might have the best beard in the NFL, but I'm I'm sure a lot of those guys, you know, it's not a job where you have to shave. Um, Our listeners, if you haven't seen Fitzpatrick's beard, just Google it sometime. Yeah, yeah. Glorious beard. If you haven't seen Fitzpatrick's beard, then you haven't seen Fitzpatrick, and this whole segment is wasted on you. Oh, my. (laughs) Good point there, Bobby. Um... Fitzpatrick's value, though, he's never won a playoff game, I believe. So you could throw a lot of things. He played great. He was really good last year. He had 31 touchdowns. He has a good receiver core. And Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker really like him. So that that's I think the Jets are going to ultimately resign him. They just don't want to sign him at 18 million a year, which Sam Bradford's getting. So it's pretty ridiculous. That's what Osweiler got, too. But either way, I think uh, – it's going to be interesting to compare Brian Hoyer's contract, who's also open free agent, with Fitzpatrick and see where their value is. It's just so much weight on the on these uh, on these playoff games. I feel like as a uh, as a quarterback, you just get judged by winning, and I feel like there's just so many factors that influence whether or not you're capable of winning games, regardless of. Uh, I mean, like some of these guys, they don't they don't give them an offensive line. They don't get three seconds to pass the ball. They don't get any time to pass the ball. And uh, and then they get judged for losing these games. It's tough, you know. And then guys that do have that that luxury of having a brilliant offensive line, they get judged as being great quarterbacks because they have the time and the tools that they need to succeed. Yeah, it's hard. It's the, the position you get drafted. It's like when you're usually a number one overall pick. Like say if Cleveland Browns would have drafted one of these quarterbacks this year, those quarterbacks have been a really tough situation to win. Yeah. It's just it's just interesting. I can't think of a game that is more of a team sport than football, but quarterbacks in particular seem to take the fall for their wins and losses. They they get the credit for their wins and they take the fall for their losses. 
And in a team sport, it's just never that simple. It's always so uh, such a complex situation that's uh, that's changing, and and uh, you're reliant on your teammates to put you in positions to succeed. Game, I mean, to succeed. I, I'm a Fitzpatrick fan. I'll be. I'll, I'm surprised he hasn't gotten a contract. All right, last thing on Fitzpatrick, real quick. I was wrong. He was not drafted by the Buffalo Bills. He was drafted by the St. Louis Rams in 05. He is 33 years old, so he's pretty old, and. I think one of the cooler stats, besides him going to Harvard, is he was almost Mr. Irrelevant in the 2005 NFL Draft. Mr. Irrelevant is the last player taken in the seventh round. Fitzpatrick was picked 250 in the seventh round. So he's had a successful career being a late-round draft pick like that. I think uh, he's done well for himself overall. And, Props to uh, him. This is more airtime than he'll probably get the rest of the summer. There we go, Fitzpatrick. Let's move on to our next section. Of the Raintown Riot podcast, we got big time uh, excitement this week coming up for all you football fans. It's the NFL Draft starting this Thursday, the first round. We're going to give a little breakdown here. So we are switching topics now to the NFL Draft starting Thursday. Thursday, this Thursday. So one question I want to pose to... Raymer here in particular is about Robert Kimdichi. So the story is that his brother has been a bad influence on him. Uh, the some of these teams that are interested in Kimdichi are asking himself, are asking him to distance himself from his his own brother because they're worrisome about the influence his brother has on him. So Raymer, let's just say hypothetically. There's a situation where you had a crazy brother that was kind of out there and All right, some te- some technical difficulties right there. Uh office is falling apart, but we're back in the recording room. We're good to go. Starting with the NFL draft. Thomas pulled okay. your question. Okay, so to Raymer. Say you had a brother that was kind of crazy, uh, just maybe not the best influence on you, and your job was asking you to distance yourself from him. What would be your response to that? If I was in Robert's shoes here, I would oblige him. If he was a, truly a bad influence on me and led me to a lot of bad paths, then I would oblige him. I mean, you're talking to the biggest decision of my life, um, the chance to support my family for the rest of my life, and my legacy as a person, just to distance me. And if my brother didn't respect that, then I think that would truly show your relationship you have with your brother and how that works. And a little backstory on this, I mean, Ikubishi's brother was on Old Miss football team with him. He was the starting linebacker. And he was a great player himself, but he got kicked off the team multiple times and has been well known to be a fighter and bringing Kikunichi to parties and getting in fights and all these things. That's why that is coming about and whether drugs are apparent. So Kikunichi, well. he recently fell off of the balcony. This is the guy we're talking about, Yes, right? he's the one that fell. We've talked about him in the Did past Did he get pushed off the balcony? No. He told NFL GMs and all these during his tons of interviews that – he was blacked out drunk, and he fell off the balcony. It's always interesting this time of year. Um, I mean, we're talking about hundreds of guys 
Uh, young men, great athletes, a lot of attitude. There's always some controversy. It's always seeing interesting, like seeing that balance between teams that are like, this guy's got so much talent and so much skill, but he's also will he be able to be a professional and uh, hold it together and actually uh, do what it takes to improve and contribute on our football team. So it will be interesting to see what team bites on. Yeah, right now he's predicted to be a second-round pick. And before the reason why we talk about him so much is before the season, he's predicted to be a top-five pick for sure. His talent was through the roof, but now he's projected to be a second-round pick. And now he's making room for some other guys um, in the top five. I think we're going to have at least enough time to break down that, maybe even get into uh, the ten. But let, let's go ahead and break down some of the start the head of the draft man. All right, the top 5 here. It's been already pretty crazy, right? So, you had initially the Tennessee Titans as the number 1 overall pick and they traded to the Los Angeles Rams for the number 1 overall pick. We talked about that trade in past podcasts. And now the newly LA Rams have the number 1 overall pick and they are quarterback needy. That's why they did it. And 99% of people out there right now believe it's going to be Jared Goff the quarterback out of Cal, to be the number one overall pick. The Rams, they believe the Rams are going to pick him because he's the most pro-ready, and he's from the state of California, and he's marketable, very marketable. And he's just going to be a good player. He has a really quick-release type spiral, uh, about 6'2", 210, 215. And uh, his back at Cal was he was a four-year starter, first four-year starter, or as a true freshman in Cal history. And his team was awful his first three years, really, at Cal. And he got beat to hell because his team around him wasn't good. And his fourth year, they put it together, and he had a solid team. And then they steadily improved every year, and it showed Jared Goff's leadership skills. Moving on to the second pick, you have now the Philadelphia Eagles with that pick. They traded with the Cleveland Browns, and like we said before, they're quarterback as well. And they're going to take... Carson Wentz from North Dakota State, we've talked about. The big, strong quarterback that everybody is very high on, but he played on a low division. And whether his level of competition is not the same or not. And we've talked about him sitting behind so Bradford. So it looks like about a 100% chance of uh, those two quarterbacks going one and two in the draft, right? Like, 100%. Yeah, 100%. We're not talking about anybody else. Uh, third on the board, we've got the San Diego Chargers. Maybe the best spot in the draft. Like they are an incredible position. They don't need a quarterback. They got Phillip Rivers, Great so they're going to get the best player for that team that they wanted ever because they're not getting a quarterback. So you're looking. At, this is interesting. You're not quite sure where they're going to go yet. They've had a lot of offensive line woes in the past. Are you going to go Laramie Tunsil, the offensive tackle out of Ole Miss, who a lot of people think is going to be a perennial Pro Bowler? He has that athleticism. He's like a ballerina at 310 pounds and strong, long arms, exactly what you look for at a left tackle. You know what? In order to cover some of the top prospects, I think we're just going to go mock draft style here for the rest of the segment. So I want you, when when we talk about a team, I want you to cover their problems and some of their options, and then I want you to make a pick for them. Oh, all right. Put me right on the spot. Okay. So, yeah, the problems, all right, the Chargers. They are offensive line problems for years with Phillip Rivers. He gets beat up all the time. And that's one big thing, left tackle. You also have your secondary, lots of holes there, where you have Jalen Ramsey out of Florida State, a physical freak who could play either corner or safety to help that team. 
So, you, so where where do you see them going? What's their biggest biggest weakness, and where's your pick? I see them going Laramie Tunsil off the tackle from Ole Miss. Okay, Laramie Laramie Tunsil. Yes, um, I'm, I'm always a big advocate for strengthening up the offensive line. I think it uh, just opens up so many, makes thing makes job easier on your quarterback, your running back, gives your wide receivers more time to get open. I think I think that'd be a great pick for him. Is uh, he just looks like he could be, he could be a guy that you could plug in at left tackle and and uh, he'll do his job for you. Yeah, exactly. I think it would be a solid pick. So this next this next team, um, so called America's team, right? You have the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys picking four, their highest draft pick in a long time. It is very this this is the pick that could go all over the place. Mm-hmm. You and the Cowboys are well known. They haven't had a running great running back um, since Demarco Murray left. And you have Ezekiel Elliott there, who people are calling the best running back prospect since Adrian Peterson or Todd Gurley, two of the best in the last 10 years. And one of his biggest things is he's a three-down running, three running back. He'll be the first down, second down, getting great yardage running the ball. But third down, he can catch the ball on the backfield, and he's excellent at pass protection. That is one of his biggest positives he has is he is awesome pass protection he can stifle those linebackers as they blitz through and so you have that option but then it's well known that the Cowboys defense has really struggled and if you've been following them they have two um, DNs that are going to be suspended the first four games and DeMarco Lawrence and Randy Gregory they're two young defense ends so they have no D-line help and also their secondary has been really a problem Maurice Claiborne has really struggled back there um, is if, Greg Hardy still playing for the Cowboys? No, they're not re-signing Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy's such a locker room problem. They're not going to sign him. Great talent, terrible in the locker room. Is he going to be an, an NFL player? He has not signed with anybody yet, and I don't think he will this entire season. And So give, so give a breakdown of where, where you think they're going right now. One quick thing. They also need secondary help. Scandrick's coming off ACL injury. So you have a lot of ways you can go here. And my gut is telling me that I am a – Dislike the Cowboys like crazy being a Fort Anders fan, but I think they're going to take Joey Bosa, and I think it is the right call. The defense end at Ohio State, he is probably the highest floor player in this draft, arguably. Uh huh. And with their two of their DNs already suspended the first four games of the season, I think they're kind of restricted to this choice because they have no one in to rush the passer. Greg Hardy's not going to be there. They need help there, and. Joey Bosa is going to be a stud. Maybe maybe step in and uh, have about relative skill level to Greg Hardy, but uh, different player than Greg Hardy. Not bringing the same type. So Greg Hardy's better off the line, better. He's quicker, faster off the edge, and he'll be a much better overall player than Bosa will be right away. But Bosa has potential to be a perennial Pro Bowl, in my opinion. Okay. He has a lot of measurables to JJ Watt. I'm not going to call him JJ Watt, but he has very consistent tape, and he looks he looks a par. And it's just hard because you also get Jalen Ramsey or Elliott. Okay, so the ne- the next team we're going for, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Seems like they're drafting towards the top of the draft every year recently. Uh, a lot of a lot of good young talent. It seems like they've been able to find guys. I believe along the offensive line and uh, and their quarterback situations taken care of. Big Blake Bortles fan. Uh, the wide receivers, they just took a running back last year. Uh, where, where do you see their weakness? Where are they, where are they going here? Do they, use, they just kind of go best player available? Yeah, really upstart team. Um, they've signed some big free agents in Malik Jackson this offseason. And uh, 
it's really interesting to see where they go. They have a lot of promise going into a season finally, which I feel like is rare. They have Blake Bortles, and they're going to go to the defensive side of the ball. Their offense is was really a potent last year. They were a solid team. Between Allen Robinson, Hearns, and Blake Bortles, yeah. they looked good. And so they're going to go defense, and I'll be really, really, really surprised if they pass on Jalen Ramsey, like we were talking about, the quarterback slash safety out of Florida State. He, they need secondary help, and he could solidify a position back there. One of my favorite players in the draft. Just such an incredible athlete. I expect him to be a pro bowler in the NFL. I think they're going to select Jalen Ramsey's, with Miles Jack also being in consideration. Okay, so so far off the board on our mock draft, we've taken Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Laramie Tunsil, Joey Bosa, and Jalen Ramsey. That brings us to sixth, the Baltimore Ravens. All right, we'll go a little faster here for six. Six, you look at the Ravens, they're historically just a really good drafting team. They always take the best player that falls to them, and it always ends up working out. And how I see them going here is either if this board falls this way, DeForest Buckner, um, the five technique out of Oregon, he's just a 6'5", powerful dude from Oregon that is going to be a solid player in the NFL. He doesn't explode off the edge, put up these crazy numbers, but he dominates the line of scrimmage. And he can rush the passer, and he can defend the run really well. So it's either going to be him, or they can go off the line, such as uh, Ronnie Stanley from Notre Dame. The left tackle there, who's some scouts believe he's better than Laramie Tunsil. And so it's really interesting how you go there. And my gut tells me that they are going to draft Ronnie Stanley the offensive tackle out of Notre Dame. It sounds like it would be a good move. Like I said, I'm always a big fan of strengthening up your offensive line. And this brings you to a pick that I know you've been thinking a lot about, the San Francisco 49ers, your favorite team, uh, kind of a diehard fan. I know some of your favorite players are probably off of the board. Um, considering the way the mock draft has gone so far, how do you see your team going? What, what direction do you want them to go? Well, how I want them to go is I want them to trade back. I think that at this point, it would be fantastic if, say, the Tennessee Titans, right? They've yeah. seen the running off of the tackles, how our mock's going. They want to trade back up um, to get an off of the tackle and solidify uh, their offensive line. and take, like, a Jack Conklin out of Michigan State, who Mel Kuyper is extremely high on. Mel Kuyper is the expert for analyst for ESPN. And solidify that so the Niners can trade back to the 15th spot, get an extra second-round pick. And draft Lacon Treadwell from Ole Miss, oh, okay. who the receiver is a very top need- wide receiver in the draft. Yes, very the receiver is a much needed position for the 49ers, and also gain another pick. Um, however, if they don't trade it, because mock drafts usually don't account for trades, at this point you have to take the best available players, and I see that either being DeForest Buckner or Miles Jack, and I would prefer Miles Jack, the outside linebacker from UCLA. He has. Injury problems, as that's why he's Reported actually sliding a little problems, bit. Yeah. Well, he missed after week three of this last season. He missed the entire season with a spray, with a torn MCL, and uh, that is a big deal. And there are some flags whether he's going to be fully healthy going into this year. However, he is an athletic freak at Played linebacker back and linebacker. And yeah, he scored eight touchdowns. At UCLA at running back. Ridiculous. So this might sound like a stupid question to you. Is there any potential for Miles Jack? To be a two-way player in the NFL, or would that type of thing just never happen? He's going to be. A it's line- not going to happen. He's going to be a linebacker. He'll be a linebacker uh, or safety. That's what gets his versatility. Is that 
most NFL packages now on defense are sub packages. You're talking nickel or dime. So you bring extra DBs on the field, bring more speed on the field. Where Miles Jack will stay on the field as a linebacker slash DB and be able to cover certain receivers and certain tight ends and also have the versatility to fill the run. Very versatile player. So maybe a guy with as, as high of defensive potential as anyone else in the draft. Oh, maybe, by far. He's maybe, number one on some people's boards. Maybe more question marks because of his injury history. Correct. Interesting. So so you're kind of hoping hoping to take that gamble as a 49ers fan. You're hoping you take the player with the high potential and the, and the extreme athleticism, but also the question marks. And the versatility. I, that's what I'm hoping. Okay, so we'll take Miles Jack off the board here. Now I, I find this an interesting place because we're hitting the Cleveland Browns who just traded first-round picks with the Philadelphia Eagles. They're uh, regarded as a team that needs a quarterback. Um, they just signed Robert Griffin the third, but we all know the Robert Griffin situation. There's a lot of question marks about him as to whether or not he's a franchise quarterback. Do you see him taking a quarterback here with their first round pick, or do you see him going another direction? So the fourth round pick, uh, the, fir- the quarterback that they picked on the eight would be Paxton Lynch out of Memphis, who is clearly the number three quarterback. And I do not see this. I think that would be an awful pick. It's way too high. To draft him, I think he would be extremely overvalued at that point. He is a work in progress, and he does not – putting a work in progress on the Cleveland Browns that are a dysfunctional team to this point that are missing a lot of pieces that they ultimately want to trade back again. That's all the reports. They're trying to trade back again, gather more picks because they have so many holes to fill. But if they stay in this position, I think they take DeForest Bunker. The D lineman out of Oregon, as we've been talking about, just solidify that D line and have a good pick. Okay, DeForest, DeForest Buckner, we've been talking about him up as high as uh, I think the fifth pick, and he finally comes off the board here at at number eight to Cleveland. Now we're talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There seems to be quite a bit of uh, speculation that they're going to improve their secondary with a young cornerback out of Florida, Vernon Hargreaves. What do you think about that? I like Hargan is that he's a, a really good player. He's he's short. He's only five ten, and he is didn't run the fastest forty. But on film, on tape, he has the best hips in the draft. He better than Jalen Ramsey. He has the by far the best hips, and he can shatter a receiver very well. Um, he doesn't have a lot of interceptions in his career, which is also alarming. However, Jalen Ramsey doesn't have a lot of interceptions, so it's really interesting this uh, secondary class. Um, however. I think the other option here would be Shaq Lawson, the defensive end out of Clemson. They need D-line help. They need to rush the passer. And it's been told many times, a a great D-line pass rush helps the secondary almost as much, right? You give the quarterback less time to throw. And I think that is a very interesting uh, pick there. And you know what? I'm going to go a little bit different. I think they go Shaq Lawson over Vernon Hargroves. Shaq Lawson, the pass rusher out of Clemson. Good move for them. Uh, Next, we're going to a big market team, the New York Giants. Uh, Exciting team. Another team that's got playoff potential. Uh, Maybe just looking for that extra piece. They did well in the draft last year. Who do you think they're going with this year? I think this is fascinating. I think uh, another pick that you're just not quite sure. If Ezekiel Elliott's still there at 10, I think the Giants are ecstatic. They could finally solidify their running back position and uh, move in that direction. You know, their defense last year was historically bad, need a lot of help. And the biggest riser, um, the hottest commodity of players right now, arguably, 
is Leonard Floyd, the outside linebacker out of Georgia. Extremely athletic dude that envision that people are predicting to be the best player in the draft. However, his tape is raw. He's a very raw player, and I think it would come down to those players, either Leonard Floyd or Ezekiel Elliott. And I have a feeling that the Giants are kind of going all in this year, and they would go Ezekiel Elliott at 10. So it's always kind of a risky move taking a running back with you with a high first-round pick. Um, the NFL draft seems like it's been going away from it in recent years. Todd Gurley last year was the first uh, first-round running back. And he was the 10th overall last year. Yeah. And uh, the reason for that just being that, that these running backs get beat up so much, but it seems like if you can get a – they get beat up so much, they have, they have short careers, but it seems like if you can get a franchise running back with that with that pick, it might be worth it. Is that, that kind of what you're thinking here? Yeah, exactly. And they this offseason, they paid a lot of money to their defense. They signed Olivia Vernon, the big free agent out of Miami. They signed Janoris Jenkins, the corner – from St. Louis Rams. They've invested a lot into their defense already. And I think they might think that Ezekiel is that player to change them, to change, to put them over the hump offensively as well. And also they need receiver help. Victor Cruz right now is going in as their second overall receiver. And he's been coming off numerous injuries. So I think LaCon Treadwell is a very interesting topic there. Well, that wraps it up. That's our breakdown of the top 10 picks for this upcoming draft. Uh, we're excited about a lot of the teams coming up. Uh, we're still debating whether or not we'll do a live podcast during the draft uh, with our good friend Isaac Dow. Uh, hopefully that hopefully that's it. Excited. Thanks for listening. Another great week on the Raintown Riot. Thanks, Matt. Here we go. You guys have a good week.